0: 1510 WMEX Quincy, Boston and 101.1 FM W266DQ Quincy
1: WMEX Quincy, Boston streaming at WMEXBoston.com and on your smart speaker just say play WMEX the greatest hits of all time are back this is the all new WMEX WMEX Boston Legacy Legal Live hosted by Kendra
0: O'Toole, Michelle Reed, and Elizabeth Caruso of Legacy Legal Planning is a show about discussing your estate plans, options, and
2: answering your questions. Call in at 781-834-9639 and start your lifelong partnership
0: covered by benefits that you've earned through proper legacy planning. Now, here's your hosts, Kendra, Michelle, and Elizabeth.
2: Good evening. Thank you for joining us on Legacy Legal Live here on WMEX Boston. We are excited to be here this evening. I am Kendra O'Toole. I'm
1: Michelle Reed. And I am Elizabeth Caruso.
2: And tonight, we're going to be focusing on some estate planning. As we've mentioned before, we are from Legacy Legal Planning, A law firm in Norwell. This show is really to help educate you and give you some guidance to be able to go either talk to some other attorneys or to us get some legal advice to help with your estate plan to give you peace of mind and your family. And so we're going to focus a bit tonight on organizing and planning for the future and provide some practical tips and insights to have a secure 2024 for your estate plan.
0: And Happy New Year to everyone. This time of year is like buzzwords for estate planners. Uh, The new year (laughs) is when we get all the phone calls. Everyone is really excited, if you can believe it, to check estate planning off their list. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Maybe, maybe not. Um, But we felt that this first episode in the new year was a great time to kind of give you tips, tricks, um, some stories, some anecdotes, things of that nature about... um, different things for securing your legacy in 2024. So whether you're someone who is going fresh out the gate, determined to check estate planning off your list immediately, or if you want a more gradual approach, we're gonna give you some handy tools for that.
1: And this is also a great time, even if you have an estate plan, to do a review. You wanna make sure that um, the people that you have appointed in your estate plan are still alive. You want to make sure that they are still, you know, willing to help you out in your time of need, that their, you know, expertise and their skills still match what you need in the, you know, positions that you have put them into. Um, I know I can speak for myself and probably Kendra and Michelle as well. We're always happy to review estate plans and tell you what they do and do not do. I know that, um, A lot of times i'll sit down with clients who already have documents and i'm you know before i even look at what they have i ask what is it that you want to do because then i can take that approach when reviewing their will or trust or whatever they have and let them know if it's if your documents are doing that or not if they are great and if they're not i'm going to tell you how we can change them, start over, whatever it is that um, that needs to be done in order to make them do what it is that you want them to do. And, you know, the beginning of a fresh new start is a great time to review that stuff.
2: And I think there's a lot of thought out there that you can do your estate plan and just tuck it away and not review it, as you mentioned, and not, you know, look over it to make sure that it's still doing what you want. And yes, we, you know, hope that you can do that for a couple of years that you won't need your estate plan but it really does come into play in needing to review it because the laws change the as she mentioned the people change and your assets might change and your, your own circumstances and so you might be looking to make some changes of where things are actually going to really ensure that you're taking care of your loved ones and providing for who you really want to. And sometimes that changes over time. If somebody becomes a caregiver for you or if you have, you know, a niece or nephew move in, the view of things just change. And if you don't review your estate plan, then your wishes probably aren't going to be followed. And going along with this review and kind of preparing – It's a good time to just prepare as well if you're in a position of being a caregiver. Um, I met with a potential client this afternoon that was looking to just get an idea of what would happen if her mom ended up needing long-term care in the future. You know, she's not there yet, but this client just wanted to kind of start getting her ducks in a row and ensure that she can be there for mom, ensure that she knows what route and how the process goes without just being thrown into it at the time of overwhelm and and stress when an emergency happens. And so I was able to go through, confirm that her mom had things set in place, but then also walk her through what it looks like if mom was to end up in a long-term care facility.
1: And I I can't emphasize enough how much a meeting like this can really take stress off of clients and – Um, can really help them see the bigger picture when this crisis planning does come into play. Because on the flip side, um, I met with a client earlier this week who was in the middle of crisis planning and, you know, Things were coming at her a mile a minute from many, many different people. You know, she's trying to help her dad. The hospital's yelling at her. She's trying to find a place for her mom. You know, there's trying to figure out how she's going to pay for all these things. And, you know, you could just see the stress on her face because she didn't know what the process was before coming to our office. And, you know, we had to kind of start at the beginning and figure out what it was that we needed to do. Whereas, you know, with the client Kendra was just talking about, you know, she kind of is going to have that roadmap ahead of her to get an idea of, OK, I need this. I need this. I need this. This is when I need to go back to legacy legal to talk to them. This is when, you know, this person comes into play and it can be, you know, a big de-stressor.
0: Yeah, this is where talking to a knowledgeable professional in the, in this type of way is is the difference between the crisis and potentially being prepared and you know we don't have a crystal ball we say this to our clients all the time we just don't know how things are going to shake out being prepared is is sort of the theme of of what we do but also tonight's show as well um, so having those informational type meetings can make just an extraordinary difference between approaching a situation with a little bit of confidence and saying, okay, I can handle this. I don't have everything done, but I can approach this and, and contact Legacy Legal or another professional. Or I can be in a real situation where I don't know which end is up. And now I'm looking in a situation where it's um, you know timely, costly, and things of that nature. So some of these real life scenarios is why we stress this level of there's there's being prepared or there's kind of coming at it when you don't have much more capacity
2: and so one thing that you can do and take some steps and prepare for if this situation were to happen is to organize your documents and not just estate planning documents in that sense go through your bank accounts your investment accounts stocks um, pensions annuities and Put together a copy of the most recent statements of all these documents um, and these accounts and have them together in a place so that if your loved one then does have to step in on your behalf, these documents and information are handy and available for them to at least have a starting point. You know, there's a lot of things that sometimes come into play in regard to gathering asset information or knowing what accounts there are and... There are tools that we can use by using a power of attorney and whatnot to gather this information, but it doesn't help if they don't even know what bank to start with or what investment company you work with. And so organizing these documents really can help that.
0: Yeah, I can't tell you how many times we've sat with clients where we're spending an exorbitant amount of time literally calling financial institutions or sending letters trying to determine whether someone may or may not have had an account in a certain banking institution. Um, so that, that can take up a lot. Lot of precious time,
2: and these documents should be. You know, this is kind of a collection of just what you have, and you should review it annually to see if any accounts were closed or if you added more accounts to be sure. Adds to them, but they should be stored in a safe place and place that your loved ones know where they're located. And really, a fireproof lockbox is really helpful and good for the home. Um, A lot of. I think some of the baby boomers and older generations were big believers in safe deposit boxes, which have their purpose, but it's definitely not for you know, paperwork on your accounts or estate planning documents, because there's no way to access that safe deposit box when it's really important, when it's really crucial in the emergency. And so having a fireproof lockbox at home and advising your loved one that's to step in and help you as to where you're keeping these documents is just a good place to ensure that they have access to it, that they can get into it and either make decisions for you or start accessing your accounts if needed on your behalf.
0: Yeah, we joke with clients, you got to keep it light sometimes, but uh, emergencies don't always happen during the convenience of banking hours. So those safe deposit boxes, um, we don't typically recommend them like Kendra said.
1: And one of the larger issues with safe deposit boxes that we run into is probate issues too. So, you know, you're putting all of your documents into essentially – a bank account. (laughs) And this bank, you know, this bank account has names on it. And just because it's associated with a box at the bank, um, doesn't mean that the bank's going to give anybody the the actual ability to get into it other than the people named on the account. So if you're not keeping up with the correct titling on that safe deposit box, you can run into a whole boatload of issues. And if you don't keep anything
2: in that boxed at any point anymore it should just be closed out Uh, we have seen people that have needed to get that court order as you mentioned and then they have it drilled out because they don't even have the keys or know where anything is which then costs even more money and it's been empty and so if it's not something that you use then it definitely close it out it's not worth having anymore and it would just cost more expense And time for your loved ones and sometimes people open probates just because of that safe deposit box and now that's even
1: more money for no reason and the issue and one of the biggest issues with opening a probate to get into a safe deposit box is in theory you have no idea what the value of that safe deposit box is so if you had a a bank account with just a couple hundred dollars in it you could open up what's called a voluntary probate, which is an expedited probate process, it's a lot more simple. That's only for um, estates that are less than $25,000. And because a safe deposit box could in theory have literally anything in it, a court is not gonna let you do a voluntary probate for a safe deposit box. So now you have to do either an informal or a formal and you're adding months to the process of getting into a box that could be empty
2: so these are just some tips on how to get organized but also do it in a safe way that will ensure that your loved ones can actually access the information and not have more fees and expenses put onto it as well so we're going to talk a little bit into Estate planning, kind of out with the old, and talking about some new trends that come up. I think one trend I know we talked about this a bit, but I still think it's worth talking about because it's so common now is digital assets, passwords, or you know having access to your a lot of accounts now. You don't even get statements for it is digital, and this also goes back to why you should at least print out a statement or have the first page of the statement with the account number, so people at least know. Because the way email is and the way that people can log into things now, literally you could be a ghost to your family, you know, digitally, it's all out there. But if people don't have that access, they don't know anything about it. And so there are terms that you can put properly in estate planning to allow access to those digital assets. And I mean, some of that can even include family photos and stuff that is not just financial, but the family memories.
1: Oh, yeah. And and if you don't have access to these things, they could be literally lost. So, I mean, I know personally, I store my photos with iCloud and we have, you know, X amount of storage that we pay for every month. And what happens if, you know, if me and my husband died and nobody else had the password? There goes 14,000 photos from Disney World. (laughs) You took my joke. (laughs) Uh, but more realistically, I um, I do actually have a client who, um, this was years ago, about when cloud storage started to become, you know, really popular. And um, his brother passed away. His brother was a writer. And um, he had been working on a manuscript for a novel. And, um, he wanted to get that novel to a publisher to like, you know, honor his brother's wishes and, you know, see that his legacy was carried on and that, you know, what he had worked so hard for, uh, actually, you know, came to fruition. He didn't know his iCloud password and it took over a year, even after he was appointed by the probate court to get an order to, that Apple would accept in order to allow this man's um, this man access to his brother's iCloud account to get those writings and be able to you know try to bring them to a publisher and you know that was I would say like seven or eight years ago so you know like I said the birth of of uh of cloud storage but you know it's important to have password managers and like I know that your passwords are supposed to be protected and you want to keep them to yourselves and things like that. But one important person in your life should know what your passwords are so that you can at least get to, you know, get to the next step or a lot of, um, a lot of different digital accounts now allow you to proactively name someone who is going to have the authority to have access to your digital account. Once you pass away, I know that Facebook allows this, um, I think Apple does too. So you can, you know, put in somebody's information ahead of time and they're already going to be able to have access to your digital assets if something happens.
2: I think another trend that I've been seeing that I feel wasn't as prevalent when we started practicing was people are becoming more aware and making decisions on what they want in regard to funeral, burial, cremation, whichever, you know, root it is, um, organ donation or not, or, you know, donate body to science and all that stuff. People are starting to really think more about this and actually want it in writing and want their loved ones to know what they want. And even I don't want to wake or I do want to wake. I want this memorial service, whatever it is. But people are becoming a little more assertive with actually putting their decisions down rather than just leaving it up to their children or their spouse to kind of decide, oh, you know, we we were Catholic, so we're going to have this Big, full mass that maybe that's not what the person wanted. I think it was just something that people didn't like to talk about. And they are opening up a bit more about it.
0: Yeah, I agree. We're seeing it more and more recently recently. And I think to your point, it is so much more important if you do feel strongly in a particular way to make sure that it's memorialized in your documents literally. Um, I have a client who feels uh, very passionately about certain um, ideologies and, and clean energy and, and you know green and, and, and all of those sorts of things. So she has very strong feelings about um, a, a what they call a, a clean burial or you know, things of that nature. Um, every state has very specific laws as to you know because obviously if we're disposing of, of you know, bodies and things of that nature in particular ways. So it's heavily regulated. So Massachusetts, um, although, you know, we're, we're very advanced in, in many ways, uh, this is not an area that we have a lot of uh, options with. So, you know, we're, we're joking together, but chatting about, you know, she's, she has ties out, you know, out west and, and things of that nature. So she um, is considering putting in some very specific orders that, um, you know, she might not be buried in our state. And if that's her wish, it's something that potentially her loved ones might not know. And if they just give her a blanket, give them a blanket power um, to make these decisions, it might not be something that they'd ever know.
1: And you can get as really specific as you want with these types of memorandums um, about how you want, you know, post-death arrangements. Um, or you can kind of be, you know, really general. Like I want my ashes spread here. I want my services here, things like that. Um, you know, I've written very, very, very specific, um, uh, cremation designations as far as like where ashes are to be, um, spread, who's going to be there, what time of day it's going to be. Um, I've written ones that basically write out an entire funeral mass with the, to the exact, like, um, hymns that are going to be sung, who's going to be on the organ, who's going to be the pastor, things like that. I have also written out parties. <laughs> so if, if you want to make sure that your family truly celebrates you, I have written out, um, directions. Um, this was actually in a trust, not even in a, um, in a A declaration is to remain's document. But like this person has set aside an amount of money that when he passes away, he wants to make sure that his family has a big blowout and celebrates him. So he left, you know, X amount of dollars and then they're supposed to um, rent a house down the Cape and, you know, for a week. And, you know, think about him while they're sitting on the beach drinking cocktails and, you know, really say thank you, sir, for your life and for including us in it. And, you know, we're going to appreciate this. And, you know, he's hoping that his family will, you know, truly take that time together and, you know, be, you know, remembering him and, you know, having a good time in his memory. That's one heck of a legacy, and we're here for it. We
0: love it. <laughs> um, another sort of out with the old, uh, we get a lot of questions from clients once we complete a plan. Um, they say, okay, are you going to file this with the, with the probate court? And, and where is this going to go? Who's going to have copies of this? Will, will it be on file at the, at the probate court? And so years and years ago, that used to be common practice. And we may have mentioned this before on the show. Used to get filed with the probate court and it would be sit there for safekeeping, and your loved ones could go and access it after the fact. Things have a
1: changed. <laughs> I don't think safekeeping and the probate court are going together anymore.
0: <laughs> oh. So what we tell our clients oftentimes is, you know, the topic of the show is sort of organized and preparing. Uh, it's, it's even more, more important nowadays because for, for the most part, um, we're not handing out your estate planning documents to every which person. So it's very important for you to hang on to the copies, let the folks know who... Um, you have nominated where these copies will be, uh, where they can access them. Most attorneys will keep um, either copies or extra originals or digital copies. It depends on the practice. So make sure to ask that of your attorney when you are um, meeting with them, who stores the copies, what t- what do they keep and things of that nature. But typically that's sort of an old outdated practice and you don't really want it on file until you until you need it. So that's just sort of one common question we get. That's sort of a vast difference nowadays think
2: another older trend that I feel has been out there a lot and is slowly steering away a little bit and I think a lot of it's through education I think we educate our clients a lot on this is adding a child to an account that is something that people
1: did or even worse to your deed Yes,
2: <laughs> that is even worse and it's something that I think people saw as easy avoided court, was cheaper than doing a trust. But there are so many t- tax consequences that can come up. There are so many issues of lawsuits or divorces for your child that's on those accounts. And really when you do a proper estate plan, when you have things in a trust or you have a power of attorney, these are all ways that that child can access your accounts legally legally can pay the bills, can, you know, do what's needed without having a legal attachment to it in the sense of their own personal, um, being looked at as their own personal account. And so that's a trend that was big in the past and I think I am starting to see it sway out a little bit. I have clients that come in often that will say, oh, I'm thinking of doing this and then we educate them on it and they don't do it because they now see, you know, what the, Benefits of not doing it really come into play. And then they also usually do some trust planning because they want the best tax benefit for their child and realize that going the cheaper way with just adding them to the deed, yes, it avoids probate court, but there is lots of other consequences that come into play.
0: Um, Another sort of outdated practice, and and we hope that it's, becoming more so of an outdated practice with so many um, highly educated estate planning practitioners who realize that um, folks need to do an entire plan, not just a la carte piecemeal documents. In the past, we'd be reviewing documents that was just a single will. The um, client went to uh, the local attorney down the road. They handle multiple areas of law, and you know they were perfectly capable of drawing up a will. And the client requested a will, and the attorney produced exactly what was requested. So everything above board in that regard. But they're coming to us with just a will to review, and saying we just want the just want to re- take a look at the will and update the will. So I think uh, a practice that's hopefully Done and out and away <laughs> is not doing the complete plan. So nowadays, in order to be fully protected, you need to plan, of course, for your legacy and after death, but also for incapacity during your lifetime. You, along with your will or trust, you want to consider a healthcare proxy, a power of attorney, documents where someone can assist you if you are unable to make your own decisions during your lifetime.
1: Yeah, those are really key documents that can get you into way, way more trouble even like without, um, without having a will or a trust. So, you know, we always joke that like dying is easy. It's really hard to be the living sick and to be incapacitated and to, you know, not be able to make decisions for yourself and not have the pieces in place for other people to assist you in making those decisions. Yeah. I had a client
0: who, um, Happily married for many, many years. They were both, uh, one was freshly retired and one was approaching retirement. Uh, actually, to this example, exactly. They'd had, they'd had a will done by a very knowledgeable local attorney, uh, but not an estate planning practitioner only. Asked for the will, got the will. Uh, didn't really think twice about a power of attorney or healthcare proxy. Husband uh, fell to a sudden um, illness and uh, most of their finances were in his name, mainly in, in retirement accounts. So uh, for those of us who have them, that account cannot be held jointly. It's only in one name or the other. Being a beneficiary, you have no ability to access the account, and being a spouse, You have no legal access to the account so she was looking at um, potentially years of rehab for her husband uh, with no funds to other than their joint bank account that really you know for most of us is just an operating funds in funds out she had no access to their larger savings accounts uh, and she did not have a power of attorney so the the moral of the story there is we would have needed to go uh, to probate court to have her get legal authority for over his financial life. Um, And the very sad part is he did end up passing away and then she was able to access those funds, but that's not the happy ending that we want. Had she had the um, power of attorney, she would have, you know, it would have been a a less stressful last moments of his life. So these holistic planning, it's not just a buzzword, um, it's important.
1: One more really quick uh, out with the old. Um, that I know is kind of a controversial topic among estate planners. Um, I would love to see out with the old on using legal size paper. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of trusts and wills. Seconded. We believe that in our firm. <laughs> a lot of trusts and wills. Um, used to be drafted on eleven by seventeen paper and it makes storage so much more difficult in today's modern times. Um so we are a firm believer at legacy legal planning that you just use letter size paper um so that it is standard with everything else in your life. Which like you said, especially
2: storage. These are documents that you want accessible. And I feel like when you have something that you can't put in someplace neat or clean it gets shoved in a drawer or somewhere where nobody's going and to be it. And you able have to, to do
1: it. origami to get it into the folder the correct way if it's 17 inches long. Yes. I- I'm with you.
2: I'm not a fan of the legal size paper as well. Well, I think that is a good note for us to take our break. We thank you for listening to Legacy Legal Live on WMEX Boston. And we'll be back in a moment.
0: Brothers Roast Beef, a family-owned restaurant with over 30 years of experience located at 1610 Hancock Street in Quincy and delivered to the area. Not only can you order online by going to brothersroastbeef.com, you can always call 617-774-1110. You just can't beat a Brothers Super Beef sandwich. Fully loaded with all steak, fries, and jalapeno poppers you can handle. Salad, sides, pizza, and calzones are always a hit with Brothers Roast Beef in Quincy. Proudly serving Quincy students and families daily. Brothers Roast Beef, 1610 Hancock Street in Quincy.
2: To you. Let you a
0: Spilled your drink? Quick! The Quicker Picker Upper!
2: Bounty picks up spills quicker. And each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less than the
1: Leading Ordinary brand. So, you can get back to your night. Bounty, the Quicker Picker Upper.
2: Welcome back to Legacy Legal Live on WMEX Boston. We, You are with Kendra, Michelle, and Liz from Legacy Legal Planning, and we have been talking about securing your legacy in 2024. We want to remind you to please call in with your questions, 781-834-9639. We're just trying to give some education and tips on making life a little easier in 2024 in regard to estate planning.
1: Yes. And now that we have, you know, we are, we're doing our preparedness meetings and we're getting ahead of, you know, the what if questions and uh, our estate plans are only drafted on letter sized paper. And, you know, we're going out with the old trends and, you know, coming to 2024, the digital age, getting access to our digital assets. Um, what are the biggest things on the to-do list for checking off getting your estate plan done? I think the
2: first and biggest one would be reaching out and having that consult with an attorney. You know, reaching out to an attorney and just having the conversation about This is what my goals are. This is what I want to achieve. This is some of the information I know. Is this accurate or do I, does this apply to me? I think that initial meeting and consult just to learn about the process, learn how it applies to your situation, because estate planning is not something that you can just fit square peg, you know, square um, block into the. Square hole. It doesn't work that way. You have your own different avenues of you're not going to be fitting your estate plan into my assets. It just doesn't work that way. And so we really feel that this first meeting is focused on you, your situation, and educating you on how the different options that are out there as plans can help you and what one would most likely achieve your goals.
0: Yeah. And that begs the question that we see quite a bit. How do I find, how do I go about finding an attorney? You know, there's there's, a, there's plenty of them, but who, who, who do I call? Um, and there's nothing wrong
1: with having... The answer is always <laughs> Ghostbusters. I don't know why the, no one else jumped in on that. <laughs> so aside from Ghostbusters,
0: uh, it, there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, checking out a few attorneys. Just as Kendra was trying to, to indicate, there's there's going to be a fit for you that might not fit for someone else, whether it's personality, philosophy, um, timeline, the way that they structure their fees, whatever it might be. So something that we do at our firm is we love to offer just no, no um, commitment whatsoever in initial call. It's usually you know, roughly 15 minutes, and it's, 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 we're not going to deep dive into anything, but it's going to give you and us an opportunity to get acquainted, see if it's the right fit, see if the way that we work fits with your goals. Um, and it may or may not, but it's a beautiful opportunity if you're a little commitmentophobic, but hopefully you're not, new year, new you. Um, if, if you're really ready to dive right in, it's a good way to really just kind of dip your toe in the water and check out what might work best for you.
1: Except Ghostbusters 2. That doesn't, that
0: doesn't work for anybody. For that matter. How dare they?
1: How dare they? The one with all women wasn't I was that say, bad. I haven't seen that one, so I'll it. Judgment. was pretty funny.
2: They tried too hard Chris to Hemsworth be that. what it was. That's you true. Know? It's, this isn't the That's show true. about them. We're just saying. <laughs> we could do trying. an entire
1: show breaking down the Ghostbusters we, movies. We really could. I could. We could. <laughs> We'll do this another time. That will be a separate segment. I was Peter Vankman one year for Halloween. Yes. So um yes. you know, I could really deep dive this. Uh but uh one of the biggest parts of the to-do list is definitely going to be and Kendra had talked about this earlier, is getting your assets in order and like in knowing what they are in an orderly fashion. So like we have a questionnaire that we send out typically after this phone call, this initial phone call that we have with people that, um, is going to ask you, you know, what do you own and how do you own it? And having that all together in like one place to be able to transform that information, you know, to our office so that we can have an educated discussion. If you do decide to move forward is, is critical. You know, what do you have for retirement accounts? Who are your beneficiaries? Um, you know, what, what assets, Do you own, are there inheritances that are potentially coming down the line that are going to, you know, make a difference? Does, you know, are you going to get mom and dad's beach house and are going to be sharing it with several other people and potentially, you know, wanting a separate trust for that, laying out the rules as to, you know, who gets 4th of July week and how it rotates? Because I'm sure that there are, there are trusts out there that, that exist like that because I have written them. (laughs) Um, And, you know, having that information in a pretty readily available manner not only helps your family if something happens, but also it helps you when you're sitting down with an estate planner to have the most um, productive conversation possible.
2: Another one would be to, in that conversation, you know, after that 50-minute call and then if we have that consult, we're really talking about, as Liz mentioned earlier, your goals. You know, not everyone has the same goals in regard to an estate plan. Some people are thinking long-term care. Some people are thinking taking care of their children. Some people, it's their grandchildren. Everyone's goals are different and so we really – talk about what your goals are how we can achieve those goals and what type of plan will be the proper plan to achieve those goals but it's also not our place to say this is the plan that you have to go with um so at our firm we give you options of okay here's you know based on what we talked about here's the few different avenues and options that will create a plan of helping achieve your goals and you choose what one's best for you at the time. Unfortunately, you know, there are things that sometimes you choose one plan over the other and maybe you'll add on to it in the future. There are just different items that come into play when you are deciding on doing an estate plan. If long term care is a concern for you, but you're in your 50s, then that might not be something that we're jumping into the type of long term planning that long term care planning that we usually do. But we might say, let's do this type of plan for now. And then you can update your plan in the future to then take care of that concern when it's at an age that or a time in your life that might be more appropriate.
1: I literally had that scenario happen this week. Um, So I met with a former client who I'd done their estate planning maybe five or six years ago. Um, They were right around retirement age at that time, hadn't quite yet retired. And um, at the time they'd asked me, you know, what's the difference between a revocable and irrevocable trust? And I explained it and I said, you know, you can do whatever you want. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just here to give you the information and you decide what to do with it. You know, if you want to do an irrevocable trust now, you can. But I think you're probably too young for it. I don't think you're probably, you know, ready. You should, you know, still have access and control over all of your assets. Well, they made a a meeting with me this week, five six years later, where they're saying now we're ready to give up that control. Now we're ready to, you know, make sure that our kids are going to be inher- inheriting. In this instance, their house. Um, But making sure that our house is protected from long-term care, if nothing else is being able to protect it. So, you know, we were able to, um, you know, do the planning that was right for them at that time, and then they, you know, were able to transition a few years later into, you know, the irrevocable trust plan that would put them into, you know, a different place, Uh, and that's what their, you know, their current goal is. So, it works out well.
0: So the points that both Liz and Kendra have really eloquently made is part of this to-do list is to think about your goals. Chat about them if you have a partner. Um, Write them down. It doesn't have to be anything concrete. I think a big misconception or a big sort of roadblock for folks to actually come in for that initial meeting is a lot of people think, well, I need to have everything lined up. I need to know who I'm naming where. I need to know what my goals are. The whole goal is to think about the goals. (laughs) And then part of our initial meeting is giving you some education and walking you through. And we can help you kind of come to the conclusions there by providing you that information as as they have said. So part of your checklist is to have the family discussion or the discussion with yourself. Make sure that you've got at least an idea. And we very lovingly say, you tell us what you want and we'll put it in the legalese. So don't worry about that.
2: And really, I think with thinking about those goals, a lot of times you may have a goal in mind, but you learn that there's either different ways to achieve that goal or that due to other circumstances that we might have to pivot the goal in a different way. And a lot of times, you know, we have clients that come in and say to us, I don't know anything about this, or I I know I should know this. I don't know about a trust or revocable versus irrevocable. My neighbors, my friends talk about it. I should know about this stuff, but I really don't. We don't expect you to know about it at all.
1: I'm an estate planning attorney. I don't go to the doctors and say, hey, I know that X, Y, Z is happening to my knee. I I just know that my knee hurts. It's it's their job to tell me what's wrong with my knee. So in the same same vein, we have zero expectations as to what somebody is coming into a meeting knowing about estate planning because honestly, it's easier that way because that means you haven't been tainted by lawyer Google. Well, I was just going to say, just like WebMD, there's so much lawyer Google out there
2: that, you know, in a meeting recently, many of the questions that the client had for me, she had mentioned that she read about or she heard about. She said, I did some research and 90% of it did not apply to her situation at all. And so, she really left that meeting with a lot of weight lifted off her shoulders because she thought that her assets were going to be counted in regard to her mother for long-term care and she read different information about long-term care and being on MassHealth and the application process that was just not correct and so have that meeting with a professional that is well-versed in estate planning and elder law to be able to guide you
1: on that way. And in your state, because there's so many like national talk shows out there that talk about how to protect assets and things like that. But all of these laws are very state specific. Um, Medicaid is a federal program and the funding comes from the federal government, but the laws are made by each individual state. So the what works in massachusetts doesn't work in new hampshire doesn't work in rhode island doesn't work in nevada california you name it they we all have different minutiae detail level um rules that are so state specific same thing for estate planning documents you know we have an estate tax here in massachusetts that doesn't exist in 45 other states There's only five states now with an estate tax that's different than the federal government. So, you know, planning here is going to look a whole lot different than most other states in the United States.
2: We have met with a lot of clients that luckily because they were proactive and they started the year off and trying to get their ducks in a row that have things in place ensure that their loved ones can step into step into place for them. And we have, I would say, I think a lot of our ones that get things into order in January are actually people that called us in December that said, this was on my resolutions for 2023. So don't feel so bad if
0: you don't have your things together on uh, January
2: 3rd. And we said, we appreciate that that was on your, your bucket list for
1: 2023, but you need to push it over to early 2024. How many estate plan signings did we do in December? Oh. We, so there are lots and lots of procrastinators in the world who are like, I'm going to get this done in 2023. And by golly, I'm going to make sure I get into the office in December to sign it. <laughs> but we can
2: only do so many signings in a month. Right. And so some of those people, a lot of those people are actually people that reached out to us in October, and November for then signing in December. Quite a few that, you know, did call us in December. We had that consult, you know, or that phone call, but really their plan was not going to be complete in 2023, so they are the ones that are proactively getting this off their New Year's resolution list early in 2024.
1: We did allow them to make new resolutions (laughs) for 2024, considering that, you know, estate planning was already in progress. They took that
2: step. Yes.
1: Yes. But for 2025, there's going to be a resolution on there that says, review.
2: (laughs) And I think that's something that we try to really keep with our clients is that long-term relationship. We have, you know, we write letters, we have that review, we want, we try to keep in touch with our clients by cards and phone calls, just checking in, and we don't just say, here's your estate plan, make sure you come contact us if there's a big change. Yes, they need to do that, but we also try to keep that long-term relationship with our clients because... We enjoy learning about you and your family and we want them to feel that they are part of our legacy legal family as well and to be sure that their plan works when it's needed and we have seen clients that have come and said, you know, my mother's attorney passed away 10 years ago and we never met with somebody new and now they either can't find the documents or the laws have changed and So it's a matter of having that long-term relationship with our clients ensures that their plan will work when it's needed.
1: Yeah, I have clients that, you know, when I first started out as an estate planning attorney 14 years ago, uh, that, you know, I did their estate plan when, you know, mom and dad lived alone and we were just trying to protect their house. And you can fast forward to a number of years later, dad got sick and needed nursing home planning so they came back and we got Dad on mass health and because uh, we had done the previous estate plan we were able to you know protect the assets for the at-home spouse and we were able to um, make it easy for their adult child to go and get the documents necessary for the mass health application because we had you know power of attorney in place and things like that fast forward another five years later Mom then needed um, mass health. And, um, you know, we again had everything in place to be able to get her pretty quickly onto benefits when she needed them. And, you know, when everything was said and done, I finally sat down with the adult child again. And she's like, I am so glad that we did this so many years ago because it has made this, you know, pretty seamless. Obviously, there's, you know, work to be done when you're doing long-term care applications, but they, you know, she was thrilled that it was as easy as it could have been. She's like, you know, now I'm in the position 10 plus years later, I need to start thinking about doing this for my kids to make it, you know, as easy for them as it was for me.
2: And in regard to the estate planning side of it in that long-term relationship as well, we have some clients we've, been in business for nine years now and we have some clients that we started when we started out and they were pre-retirement and then they retired a few years later so we met with them around our five-year you know anniversary of opening up and made some updates to their plan and then now they've come back again to make some changes because situation has changed with some of the people that they're leaving to. Their assets had shifted a little bit. They bought another home. And so we've made updates accordingly to ensure that their plan is working properly. Not everybody needs updates, you know, done every few years, but you need to ensure that you're reviewing it to be sure that it still does what you need.
1: Yeah, I have... Um young families that are putting together estate plans now that probably don't need to do changes to their estate plan for 20, 30 years. It will work for them for a very long time, but they still need to make sure that they are, you know, doing the review, uh, and, um, you know, keeping up with the changes in law. It probably is even more important to be doing these reviews and probably even more often than every like five or so years as you get older, because I feel like things change more rapidly. Um, you know, you have changes to, you know, who you've named as your fiduciaries. You know, maybe it's no longer appropriate to have your spouse be your power of attorney because your adult child is now helping you with your your bills and things like that. Or, you know, does it make the most sense to have um, your kid's inheritance tied up in a trust until they're Age, whatever. Now that they're in their forties, <laughs> so like, there's a lot of things that you can, be, you know, be reviewing um, over time that would be, you know, helpful to your family to make the changes now.
2: I Think one of the common things I see, probably with people that are right around retirement age right now, is they are coming in with their will that, like you mentioned, some their children are now in their forties. They're coming in with their will that they did when their first child was born or their second or third child was born and they have the named guardians and how things are passing. And so that will is 40 plus years old, definitely doesn't. Account for what they want. Sometimes it's an aunt or somebody that's appointed as the personal representative that may be deceased or they might not have a relationship, good relationship with anymore. And so coming in to have that looked at alone and then discuss the future planning of how their estate plan can be more tailored for their current situation is is really crucial. I think that's one of the biggest trends I'm seeing with some of the Baby boomers are, you know, wills that they did to protect their children when they were minors. But
0: now the years pass so quickly and... Those minors are now 40. Yeah, they're not kidding when they say it goes by fast. Um, but to your point, I, I worked with a client very recently within the last few months who she did her initial estate plan and it was well done. Um, she had a trust and, you know, her, her thoughts and wishes were, were well lined out. But at the time, she got along swimmingly with her family. She had named certain siblings in certain positions to step in for her if she needed any assistance or weren't weren't able to make decisions for herself. Fast forward to the future, unfortunately, they lost um, their mom, and a vicious probate situation ensued where it really uh, just divided the siblings, where there was, you know, two that remained getting along on one side and three that remained getting along on the other side, but not all of them got along. Unfortunately, she happened to, in her well-drafted plan, name siblings that she no longer spoke to, and it was, you know, it was it was not um, a happy situation she was intending to travel so she did things actually the right way she gave herself plenty of time to come in and do the updates to her plan at the time her son was much younger and it warranted all different items as as Liz had mentioned uh, and now he's a little bit older so she put him in a secondary capacity but she had that she did it ahead of time with plenty of time for her travels to update her plan to the siblings she does get along with to manage the funds for her not quite as young, but still young adult sons. So it's, it's actually, um, you know, sort of what could have ended in um, a potentially really uh, negative situation where a sibling that she would never want in charge of her assets, controlling funds for her son, it ended in a positive way because now she's got the peace of mind that that absolutely will not happen.
1: And I'm very glad that you brought up that she had she was traveling and she had did it in a time frame that is uh, that that was appropriate for her to get it done, because, you know, as we're talking about our process and, you know, you know, creating a checklist for, you know, the client. You can imagine that this takes some time. It's not an overnight thing. And it's really, I'm, I'm bursting bubbles when people call me and say, I'm getting on an airplane next week and I need a will. I'm like, well, you probably need more than that. And it's not going to be done by next week because, or at least it's not going to be done correctly. I can throw together a healthcare proxy. I can throw together a power of attorney. I, you know, I can put together a basic will. But if you want an estate plan done correctly, that's going to take into consideration all of your goals and all of your tax planning and all of that. It's not going to get done in a week. Not to
0: interrupt, but right along with our out with the old planning situation out with the I just need a quick will out with that we're, we're, we're not taking that into 2024
2: <laughs> and so as we are gearing towards the end of our show we hope that some of you might be ready to jump right into estate planning but also some of you might be a little overwhelmed by some of the information that we've put out there so here are just some steps that everyone can take to start that journey whether it's an immediate one that you're ready to jump into or you need to take gradually over time the first one we would say is you know start making a list of your assets and identifying potential beneficiaries and people that you would trust to step in for healthcare and medical decisions um healthcare and financial decisions another one would be do your research on estate planning attorneys or if you need a financial advisor you know start Looking around for some local ones. Look for somebody that is focused on estate planning when it comes to an estate planning attorney. Um, as you mentioned, there are you know plenty of attorneys that can do the work. We all have a law degree, so we can all do the work, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they are in the thick of it every day like some other estate planning attorneys might be. So do that research, looking into that and finding the one that you feel will click best with you. Do those 15-minute calls and and have those conversations. Um, have open discussions with your family members. I think that can sometimes be one of the hardest things. People don't want to talk about estate planning and to have these open discussions with your loved ones can really just make things easier. For them to know where your thought process and where your feelings and your intent is when you're doing the plan and for them to know that beforehand is a lot better than them reading something on paper and not fully understanding your intent. Because you can put terms into the trusts, and yes, you could write down something as well about your intent and whatnot. But really the terms of the trust usually is guidance of what's to happen with specific things, and not everyone understands. Well, why are you holding my assets this way? Or why is this person in charge instead of me? And so sometimes those conversations can just alleviate extra stress and contention between your loved ones if something were to happen to you.
0: And as you're going about this, making your inventory, talking to your family members, if, if that's something that you're comfortable with and able to do, it's also going to bring about the questions you might have for us. So we encourage you to write down the questions that come up during this process from everything as simple as, um, you know, when you're making your inventory, okay, what I don't know about my assets. I know I have life insurance, but I don't quite know what type it is. I don't know who the beneficiary is. So even making a checklist of the things that you need to get more information on is extremely helpful because that gives us a starting point and we can always go from there. That's one of the most overused phrases in our office. Okay, we'll start here and we'll go from there. Um, so we encourage you to write down those questions because it gives us an inclination. Even if you're just coming in with a, you know, ripped off piece of paper, we can read those questions and kind of glean what you're looking for and what your goals might be. And then we can can sort of structure our discussion based on what what we think is is going on in your world and, and how we can help. So it's, it's um, an underutilized thing to write down those questions. <laughs>
2: And we want you to embrace and feel empowered to create an estate plan that works for you, that achieves your goals, and also that you are doing at your own pace. Not that you want to drag it out because we don't know what life could throw at us. So you don't want it to take, you know, years to get established because unfortunately something could happen and then you don't have one. But at the same time, taking these small steps – to move towards creating that estate plan can really make the difference. And each little step is one step closer to that estate plan. I forget, There's a quote that you love about the swinging the door open. Oh,
0: yes. I, do, I can't even remember where I heard this, but I it, it has stuck with me ever since. Small hinges swing big doors. Kendra mentioned earlier that sometimes this process can seem extremely overwhelming. And we talked about it earlier. We don't know what we don't know, and we think that we need to have all the answers and all the decisions made. But taking the first step, and that, I think that really goes hand in hand with a lot of New Year's resolutions and new habits and new things that we want to bring into the new year. Um, it's a beautiful time. Just take the first step. You don't have to look at the entire picture and say, oh, nope, you know, forget it, 2025. <laughs> take that one first step. Schedule the call. Make the list just one step at a time. Uh, There's also another quote it's like 1% every day, just one little thing towards the goal, and we'll get you there. We'll guide you through.
2: So, we just want to impress upon you again the importance of estate planning starting anew in 2024. Taking those steps to help give you peace of mind, give your loved ones some security, and also to help create your legacy. Thank you so much for listening this evening to Legacy Legal Live. We are again with Legacy Legal Planning in Norwell. You can find us online, legacylegalplanning.com, our Facebook and Instagram at Legacy Legal Planning. Please give us a call, 781-971-5900, or shoot us an email, admin at LegacyLegalPlanning.com. We'd love to chat with you, answer any more questions that maybe came to your mind during this show, but you- We hope you you wrote them down. (laughs) We do, you know, but maybe you just didn't want to pick up that call, that phone for the call.
1: And if you didn't write them down, you can listen to the podcast later on WMEX.com.
2: And you can listen to our past shows on there as well if there's a topic that you would like to listen to and learn more about. And then we would love to chat with you about your estate plan. So thank you so much again for listening to Legacy Legal Live on WMEX. And we will speak with you next Wednesday.